handle the truth. Tom and you know I, I had to ask Tom a bunch of dumb questions because uh, I'm kind of a dummy and so I you know had to like try to figure this out where, where he was coming from with this so when I uh, heard this I was like huh because again I, I heard Dr. Day talk about how the human you know you can't you can't imagine God designed the human body in, imperfectly like like we would just get diabetes and or you know be super obese without like something triggering these diseases and so what she was basically saying was it's it wasn't god's intended diet to eat meat and she pointed it out biblically and so what what we we'll go to that a little later in the show but what tom was talking about was is he's figured it out scientifically and of course you know there's this big stigma where they can't cross over but I, I kind of believe they, they could. And I liked how the way Tom phrased it in both the, both those terms for me. So, you know, back, back to your, your biology, like the way I'm understanding it is you're consuming animal DNA and you're consuming their hormones and their, their dendrites and their, um, you know, I'm forgetting the other words. I know Tom will, uh, refresh me but you're consuming that and it's it's basically creating a um, a toxic environment in your own body is that right tom something like that well <laughs> when we started to do transplant surgery we ran into three phenomena that were a, were a problem rejection dna corruption and memory corruption See, if I take another man's heart and put it in your chest, what does your body want to do with that heart? Probably reject it. Not even probably. Absolutely. Your body is like its creator. The creator said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So I just simply think that my body has the same attitude as its creator. Thou shalt have no other bodies before me. By the way, when was the last time you pulled into the drive-up window at McDonald's and you had to wait for the elephant ahead of you to get his order? <laughs> Is that a question? Open, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Where in the crap does that elephant get his protein? From a plant? Ah, it takes the simple amino acids provided by the plant foods and the elephant puts together those amino acids himself or herself and creates the protein that is pure and clean and, how do you say, germane to that, that elephant. Really? There is no protein in the plant kingdom. What there is is amino acids 
And your body takes those amino acids, puts them together, and creates the proteins it wants. Does it make sense to go take a wrecking ball to Walmart, salvage the plywood and the, the pipes and the wiring, and then try to build your own store or your own home? Why don't you go to Home Depot or Lowe's instead and buy fresh lumber, fresh drywall, fresh wires, you know, new wires, new pipe, put that together using any floor plan you desire and create a nice brand new home. Right. See, what we're trying to do is build our bodies on secondhand salvage. Does that make sense? Right. When you think about it, it doesn't, does it? When you use well, second. Well, I was just going to ask, don't herbivores have, like, specific bacteria to break down that plant material? And their, their gastrointestinal tracts are different? I'm just, you know, this is, this is kind of like devil's advocate. Like, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how, is, how does that work? You got the omnivores, too, out there. Yeah, and, and notice the lifespan of an omnivore as opposed to an herbivore. How long does an elephant live? How long does a rhinoceros live? How long does a giraffe or uh, even a kangaroo live? Right. How long does a lion or a, uh, a well, let's say even a coyote or, or a... Hyena. A wolf. wolf. Hyena. Right. Or how long yeah. does a bird live? And I'm talking about things like chickens or turkeys or quail. You compare right. the lifespan, the obligate carnivores, like the birds, they live only a couple of years. The omnivores but are absolutely requiring protein of some source anyway, like your dog or your cat. They live maybe a dozen years, right? Right. But how about an elephant or a giraffe or even a, uh, a horse? Horses live a long time, yeah. I mean, they See, can live the a... The trade-off is when you're eating flesh and you're consuming a lot of energy to get that energy, the price you pay is in longevity. I mean, look, for example, I, I was an advisor to the film industry. Of course, the film industry, they're worried about three, three characteristics in their players. Camera ready, script ready, and action ready. I mean, Dick Van Dyke, for example, he's pushing 100. I, I, I was told that he, somebody said that he had passed away, but I found out he hasn't. I was supposed to go to his 90th birthday party, but I was busy saving a family from losing a child. Wow. So here's, here's an example. In, you, you, you look at the people in the, in the film industry, the, the how to say the trade secret is to live vegan or vegetarian, so you'll look good, you'll have good clear mind, and you'll be able to perform well. Like I say, you got to be camera ready, script ready, and action ready, and they can't right. afford 
have you call in and say, I got a sore throat today, and they throw a half a million dollars in the toilet with all their permits, their equipment, their staff, and all it takes is one actor to shut a whole day shoot down. Right. Right. And you, you've known some big names. I mean, in fact, you've known Dr. Lorraine Day and um, Eustace Mullins and many, many big names. You've been around. Tom's oh, yeah. been around for a long, a long time. And we got callers, Tom. I usually take callers of the last hour, so I don't want to be disrespectful. I know Chance has been on for a while. Yeah. yeah um, nice but I, I definitely will want to bring you back on the, um, you know, just, just kind of the physiological aspects of it and also you know tie it in with the biblical aspects too because I, I did find it curious how you tied it both in together so uh is chance still online i think chance was first oh we lost chance chance if you want to call back you're more than welcome to who's the next caller mike in kentucky how you doing mike i'm all right uh i was looking at this uh story you brought up earlier and since tom already mentioned the toilet uh, I didn't really want to take this uh, topic into the gutter, but sometimes it takes something shocking to get people to go, oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, the uh, pregnant mare's urine pill, the pill, I think there was even a country song about it by Kentucky's Loretta Lynn, perhaps. One's on the way, you know, and the pill. Uh, it's my, it, You know, one form of it is Pregnant mare's urine. So, um, uh, the uh, uh, tunnels that you brought up in New York, uh, called you know rat rat holes or whatever they're being called, uh, it made me think of the uh, when I first heard about their ritual practice of of uh, uh, circumcision. I had no idea that they were actually to get, supposedly, to get the bleeding to stop. They kissed the little boy's fontanelle or whatever. (laughs) So you think about how painful that must be for that little boy and what a traumatic experience is. Those rabbis are drinking on that blood like a vampire or something. That blood's going to be full of the adrenaline and the, uh, what's that hormone your brain produces to block pain? Endorphins. They probably get a buzz off of that. And they're like a vampire. They get a taste for blood, I'm thinking. You know, where, where did this idea come up, come from to traumatize children and get that adrenochrome? Wow. The animal hormones, the animal hormones work on people. You're consuming, what, 40 cows? in a loaf of hamburger or a log of sausage or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever else they're putting in there, all the parts and pieces, the glands, like the pituitary, what goes, I think I, I've heard you talk about the slaughterhouses in this country, Tom, who predominantly, what demographic is predominantly owning those slaughterhouses? Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> Oscar uh-huh. Meyer, it don't produce one thing kosher, do they? My baloney has a first name. <laughs> it's you know uh, cons meat up in Cincinnati. I come from pig country. There's pictures of Moorhead, Kentucky, where all the trees were cut down. Nothing but corn from the creek to the ridge top, 
And the whole town back 100 years ago would be flooded with pigs when it came time to ship them off on the train or uh, whatever to Cincinnati to Procter & Gamble to make all their soap products from lard and stuff. I just recently was told by a Gen Z person that they're all concerned about microplastics. Is the plastics industry dependent somehow on the slaughterhouses? Wow. Huh? Yeah. Right. What did they put in plastic to keep it soft and vinyl and yeah, I worked you for soft? A I worked for DuPont for a period, and, and I was surprised as we were formulating the plastic. We were using, of course, the pitch from the petroleum industry, but we were blending into it lard or tallow to make it right. so flexible. And, of course, in the lard or tallow, and so those are the fats of the animals. They are also the reservoir of the hormones, estrogen, oh prolactin, testosterone. And people talk about getting estrogen from plastic. Well, you're darn right, because we're ah. using tallow as a softening agent. I'm wondering where all the gender yeah. confusion is coming from now, huh? Right. Good huh? points, Mike. <laughs> Spot on well, tonight. <laughs> well, and, and and I couldn't, I didn't know this until I saw an animal rights protest over the British five-pound note becoming plastic in England, and I'm like, why are the animal rights, why do animal rights people care about plastic in the money? It's because it's you have to kill animals to get the softeners to keep the plastic soft from cracking and becoming brittle. I didn't know that until I, I didn't know that protest. either. Wow. Yeah, so that's why they were protesting the British five-pound note becoming plastic. But you think about how in the world can you be vegan in this world with plastic everywhere? And like I said, the Gen Xers now, they have found microplastics in every placenta tested. So it's going into the babies, and it's settling in the heart chambers, in the bottom of the heart chamber, reducing the volume of hearts. So there's Gen Zers now that are convinced they're not going to die from you know, Alzheimer's, they're going to have a vascular event from microplastics clogging up their blood vessels. Wow. And never mind the gender confusion issues, because I remember 15, 16, 17 years ago, everybody was concerned about BPA, bisphenol A. You could start, they finally started selling BPA-free uh, formula bottles and stuff so you could feed your baby uh, formula. Never mind the dairy products that was in there, right, Tom? What all hormones are in that dairy product powder and whatever? It's like straining in a net and swallowing a camel. Does a, does a cow have endocrines or do they have ovaries? Do they have pituitary? Do they have thyroid? Yep. Yeah. See, what? here's what's interesting. The chemical processes of, of every animal is based on the same program. So whatever hormone is required for you to be living as a human being, that same hormone is required by a cow or even an earthworm. Or oh, even wow. a bacteria has what, what's called an organelle, a cluster of tissues that produce the same hormone. That's why... If we're looking for synthetic, for example, uh, thyroxin for the thyroid, synthroid, 
we get E. coli to produce it for us. Or if we're looking for insulin, you know, syntholin, synthetic insulin. No, no, there is no such thing. What there is is insulin produced by an animal, a micro-animal called E. coli. E. coli is the workhorse of the pharmaceutical industry. Did you know that? Now, what do you feed E. coli? It's an obligate carnivore. So what do you feed E. coli in a vat that you're using to produce insulin or thyroid, you know, thyroxin? You feed it slaughterhouse waste. It has to eat flesh. It's an obligate carnivore. So guess what? You're feeding animal tissue to this bacteria to produce your, your synthetic hormones, so-called synthetic, but along with it comes the DNA of the original animal or animals, hundreds if not thousands, mixed in the vat to feed these bacteria to produce these synthetic hormones. By the way, yeah. again, there's no such thing as a synthetic hormone. Only an animal can produce a hormone. Yeah, I saw this movie about a, a black inventor who secured a supply of these special yams down in Mexico. Or, uh, per, well, uh, one of the South American countries, Peru or somewhere. And then he got this factory that he leased. And I forget which major drug company he had worked for, but he invented off books off the clock he invented some way to synthesize he claimed progesterone very cheaply and the price went down I've, i researched that a little bit and you're 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 thinking is he must have used some kind of bacteria in the process because he plummeted the price to progesterone cream i think in the 1950s of course the black folks you know point to him as an example of how you know, they can be inventors or just as creative as any other race. But you think that that whole story must be flawed in some way, that he was just using yams or some kind what of sweet potato? Think, what, do you, what do you think is the most profitable product produced by science? Uh, I don't know, steroids? Bullshit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang tight, we got a break, and then we got okay. Ken in Texas wants to chime in. Oh. Right back. This puppet show stays on because of you fools. We've been dancing with the devil way too long. I know it's fun. 
Attention, freedom-loving patriots. Are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Serafine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our founding fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Mike from Kentucky, we got Ken in Texas, and we'll let Ken on the line, but I do got to ask um, Tom here, have you ever heard of the book, uh, The Secret Life of Plants? You ever hear that or read that? I've heard it, yeah. Heard of it, I haven't spent any real time in it. Yeah, well, somebody commented that it, 
describes the miraculous mechanisms by which plants may in fact transform lower forms of matter into complex molecules and even perform fusion. Oh, yeah, enzyme action. Enzyme action. I was just talking to Mike on it, about that. A little uh, bit. Yeah, see, nice. what's, really, what's really cool about eating plant food, you don't have to expend a lot of your energy and resources to obtain the energy and resources. In other words, if you take a tomato, set it on the table, leave it out for a day or two, what happens to that tomato? Turns mm-hmm. to mush on your table, right? Right. It is self or auto-digesting. It's being digested by enzymes that are actually on board or in that tomato. Well, when you eat a tomato, since your stomach is a little warm, it will actually accelerate the activity of the enzymes, and you don't have to produce much of anything. Now, if you cook the tomato, then your pancreas is able to produce amylase, lipase, and proteinase to digest that tomato anyway. But if you eat the fresh, raw tomato, the enzymes will activate within you, and it will digest itself, and, and you'll get the entire benefit from that tomato as opposed to, you know, if it was cooked or denatured, you have to contribute maybe two or three hundred calories to get a, you know, to get a thousand calories, for example. I don't know right. if I'm making any sense, but you are. But no, I just need sense. to. I would like to chime in and say, please stay away from my mother-in-law's cabbage soup. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're going to be anywhere near me for a day or two. <laughs> but well, now, is it? Is it not true yes, that we yeah. have to expend, we, we also have to use a lot of things like, mag- why is osteoporosis getting more rampant, it seems? We have to expend a lot of our magnesium, potassium, uh, sodium, the metals. Yes, yes. Precious metals have to be used to buffer all that acid to digest animal meat. Is that not right? Yep. So in a glass of milk, you think you're going to get a lot of calcium for your bones, but in fact, even the amount of calcium in the cow's milk is not enough to actually truly satisfy your production, your byproduct of uric acid, acidic acid, lactic acid, arachidonic acid, da-da-da-da-da. You have all these acids, primarily uric acid, that have to be buffered, so it will take the calcium that comes in the cow's milk, utilize it, but it'll also need more. So it'll steal your calcium, your magnesium, your other soft metals. You get to piss wow. out your metals. The same thing with B12, with the vitamin D. They get captured in the buffering process, and you urinate out your, your precious uh, nutrients, your micronutrients. Can't store them either. Right. That's not a... You better take your next caller. I've got a lot more, but you got you, more callers, so stay on with us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I can stay on. The rest of us, stay, just hang tight. Ken, how you doing? Good, good, doing great. Um, what a what a crew you have tonight, Mike, yeah, Tom, and Travis. 
Um, Mike, you uh, helped really clutter my brain with so many questions that I'm not even sure where to start uh, that I wanted to ask Tom. Um, so I guess the most important question that I have uh, that I think would help everybody, Tom, is what type of vegetable, dried vegetable, would you recommend that people store up for, you know, like prepping? That'd be my first question. Great question. Well, the, probably the most convenient to, to pretty much cover your bases is wheat. Wheat, dried, but uh, organic wheat? Uh-huh. Wheat or... Uh, Spelt, whatever you can, you know, the more ancient wheat, the better. But wheat is pretty, pretty much a uh, a survival food. I have a dear friend who worked for, uh, oh shoot, what was her name? Uh, Ann Wigmore. You know, people got uh, excited about Ann Wigmore's wheat juice potion, right? But in reality, the wheat is the is the most nutrient or broadly uh I'm looking looking for the right way. It's a Okay guys, take time. One more break real quick. Get that get that in and then we'll, I think that'll be it, right Mike? Alright, hang tight Are we, guys. Is it two hours already? No, not yet. Hang tight. the truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth hello 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 from beautiful colorado my name is samuel jung and i am currently the lead shilajee hunter and master herbalist for colorado shilajee company in this video series i will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by mother earth I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajee by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilajee literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilajee has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultation 
consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. Canon, Texas, and Ken, that's a great, excellent question. I appreciate that question. So, stock up on wheat, guys, if you're... Uh, yeah, the word I was you know, looking for was spectrum, broad spectrum fluid. In other words, uh, pretty pretty much complete if, if that's the only thing you've got. Right. And I'm, I'm talking about sprouted wheat. Sprouted wheat, okay. Like the, like the wheat berries? Yeah. Take the wheat, put it on a wet cloth, let it sprout, and cut and eat the sprout, but also eat the seed at the end of it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's not, not too expensive. I've actually bought some of that. Experimented feeding my rabbits and chickens that. But sounds like I should be eating it instead. I didn't actually go through eating my rabbits though. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I just sell them as pets, and I don't know. <laughs> it would, I, I'm still a carnivore myself, folks. Just full disclaimer. But like I said, I've, Tom, Tom explained it to me the best I've ever heard it, and uh, and he's also been able to confirm it biblically too, which I thought was interesting. Maybe we we'll have to do another another show on that. We only got about thirty minutes, but Ken, did you have another? Uh, thought or question that you wanted to chime in with oh yeah like i was saying mike really got me going um like uh so what about uh, I, I thought i heard you say one time tom uh, uh beans and then uh bean sprouts from the beans yeah 
Yeah. And any particular type of beans, like pinto beans or black beans or any or black-eyed peas type of beans, or, or what, what do you recommend? Whatever you like. What's really interesting okay. is when we've done the analysis of the nutrient supply by any legume or any seed, you're pretty much covered no matter what. And your body will actually tell you. You know, one day you'll you walk, for example, I teasingly tell people, one day you'll walk by a banana, the banana will scream at you, say, eat me, eat me, eat me. You walk by another banana, it'll still scream at you, eat me too. And then you eat three, and then pretty soon you get out to four or five, and the banana stop calling you. Well, your body seems to understand when you satisfy this nutrient demand or requirement. Potassium or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, go back to the scriptures. What did God tell Adam and Eve? Partake of the garden freely. In other words, whatever you want, but more important, whatever your body seems to be drawn towards. Like, an, you know, you have an uh, appetite. Like I say, a mother walked by a banana, it will call out to her. But after two or three bananas, it won't call anymore. So you, you rely on your instinct, you know, like like any other creature. Okay, I have to be the devil's advocate here then and say, oh, what if you, you walk by the meat section and the steak says, eat me? <laughs> I'll tell you what I've noticed. Can I talk, chime in on that? Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. In the last four, five, six years... I can smell the meat department in any grocery store I walk into. It smells horrible, and that you you change you when you go to a pot mostly plant based diet. Uncooked meat smells horrible. I, in 1995, I think I witnessed a car crash where a guy was killed, and there's this there is a smell of death. It's a common. Uh, I've heard it described before. Until I experienced it, I didn't, I didn't smell it. I don't know if it's the cortisol or adrenaline or what, but you can't kill an animal without some cortisol and adrenaline getting into the meat. If you're a hunter, you know this. You try to do a good, quick kill on a deer because you don't want it to taste gamey. So right. I don't know what uh, what it is about the meat departments and grocery stores, but it smells horrible now. I don't right. crave yeah. meat at all. I've got to where I... I don't Tom, have any craving for it. Is there any well, I, safe meat to eat? Fish. Nope. <laughs> nope. Tom's got an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> but Christ ate fish. That was the last meal that they had before he went away. Well, have you ever been to Palestine? Yes. Have you been to the Sea of Galilee? Uh, I've swam in it. I've dove in it. How many sewage treatment plants were were in operation at the time of Christ? No, I understand. I, again, I was being the devil's advocate there. I, I I I really get it. But due to the lack of time, I'm trying to con- condense stuff. I'm. Uh, I I do have another question for you. If 
you have any knowledge of what the cattle mutilation stuff was all about. I can well, be more descriptive on my question, but since you've been involved in so many things, I was curious if you had a take on, on that particular phenomena. That's a good question. Yeah, I've had to deal with situations, but we, I didn't really figure it out. That wasn't my particular responsibility anyway. Just things happen that we... Tell the melon story. Tell the melon story with Clavin Bundy. That's hilarious. Well, oh. not really, but it's kind of disgusting. But <laughs> Well, I, I, as I was, you know, required to go down by the film industry to educate the film individuals, you know, to teach them how to stay camera ready, script ready, and action ready. I was on the way down. I actually would stop and see Gladys Knight in, in Los, Las, Las Vegas. But uh, One trip I went down and I pulled over to a friend who has a health food store there in Mesquite, Nevada. He said, Tom, you got to stop at this rancher's place down in Bunkerville. He's got the greatest melons. <laughs> so I pulled over. I introduced myself to Clive and Bundy. And I told him, yeah, I, I, you have a friend up the hill here. He told me that you uh, produce really great melons. So Cliven took me in the backyard, back to his melon patch. He had watermelon, cantaloupe, cassabas, honeydew, you name it. And uh, so I was up in this patch, you know, uh, Cliven and I, and uh, got up to the cassabas, and there between the row of cassabas was this dead heifer. You've been missing. She, she had bloated and exploded, and maggots were crawling in and out of her body. Well, what's also interesting is Cliven and I left the, the ranch house with little chickens followed us. Because we were, by default, the scarecrows keeping the hawks and the, you know, the eagles away. When we got up to this heifer that we found laying between the rows of cassabas, the chickens went crazy. They jumped on that cadaver and started just feasting upon the maggots crawling in and out of the body of that heifer. And that's when I turned to Cliven. I said, Cliven, now do you see why I'm a vegetarian? Because whatever it is. Yuck. Right? You think about that. I didn't know this until I raised chickens. They eat almost anything. Dead frogs, baby mice. They love baby mice like oysters. Just slurp them down. You got a mouse problem, get some chickens. <laughs> you know, if you can keep them out right. of the feed. If you got a snake problem, get chickens. Because a chicken will always prevail in a battle between a chicken and a snake. I don't care you think about all these vaccines that have egg albumin in them. They can't get it out. It's in the flu vaccine. It's in a whole bunch of them. So people probably have a subchronic allergy to eggs from the stupid shots. There's no vegan shots. Yeah, you've got to have animal issue to culture of a vaccine, a vodka vaccine. It's interesting that you brought up uh, that word and snakes because it's a good segue into one of the questions I wanted to ask and that is that um, insects have uh, blue blood 
They have a oh. copper-based blood. Yeah. And the uh, so in the analysis they did on the blood, it actually has a six-pointed star-looking uh, format to it. But anyhow, it was interesting that when the whole snake venom thing came up about being in the vaccines, that um, you know it, it that it has that composition and that it uh, comes from uh, this particular uh, scorpion that is in the Palestinian Palestine area, Greater Palestine, Middle East area. Wow. But it's specifically an Israel. Uh, Israeli-based or Palestinian-based uh, scorpion, but also from, uh, you know, snake venom, whatever, it has that blue blood, copper-based blood. What, what's your comment on that, Tom? Well, I, that's not my area. Of, and, I, well, squalene, of course, is what uh, that bluish blood from uh, what... Those clams are, I'm trying to remember. What? One of the squalenes that they use in the vaccines comes from pork. And uh, there's no uh, vaccines that the uh, uh, allele uh, Muslims can take. There's no vaccines that uh, totally kosher Jews can take. So it's kind of a hidden thing, isn't it, Tom, that the super uber elite Jews are all vegetarian? Uh-huh. They let us eat all the trash. Yeah, the clothes own the meat packing industry, but they won't eat any of their product. <laughs> My bologna has right. a first name, and it ain't kosher. <laughs> well, remember that uh, that rabbi a while ago that was like uh, confessing to putting human meat in all the fast foods and stuff. Oh, it, it really makes me wonder. What do they do with all the aborted fetal tissue and placentas and stuff from afterbirth, Tom? What happens to that? Well, in the laboratory, when you're trying to culture a pathogen, fetal tissue is the preferred tissue because it's the purest. Mm. And you cannot culture a pathogen unless you've got flesh to culture it in. You can't culture anything that creates disease in a human being using potato or carrots or apples. You've got to have when, flesh. When you were laying on that table about to die and you think you you kind of got spoken to by the spirit, what was the first thing you told the dietitian in the hospital? Hi, baby. <laughs> no, well, yeah, okay, I forgot about that. But didn't you tell her, the dietitian, nothing should die that I might live? Yeah. And it took them a while to figure out what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. And it surprised myself, I'll tell you that. That was, was bizarre. I had, I had slipped away in anaphylactic shock, unconsciousness, flatlined, effectively. And then the first words that came out of my mouth when they revived me was, get me the dietitian. And when she came to my table side, she said, Mr. Rogers, how can I help you? And I said, nothing is to die so that I might live. Now, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? 
Not when you look at Revel- what when you look at Revelations. What does it warn about twice? Sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. Yeah, pretty dang simple. When you you know when you take it apart like that, you're like, oh my gosh. The perfect thing in my case is I'd worked in the field, worked in the laboratory, so I wasn't driven by spiritual issues, but I was driven later to make sure that the spiritual issues matched what I knew in the lab. And I, I hate to tell you this, but it's a perfect match. So mixing yeah. science and religion does work sometimes. If but the scientific community... Scientific community says we can't reinforce myths. So instead of looking at that and seeing how could this be true, they're always trying to disprove it. Yeah, the the fundamental basis of the word science is knowledge. So they're disingenuous at best. Never learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of steer a little bit delicately in that area, but I will just tell you that what I see in the scriptures, you got to be looking for it, too. you got to be like a detective looking for the evidence. But it's, it's there. Like there's a veil over your eyes until you uh, yeah. take that veil off. And people have been custodians of the scriptures, and they have not always been honorable. Right. Or they've injected false stuff in there, like the. I think the Babylonian right. captivity really screwed up the Levites. Yeah, they were begging for flesh for their tables out there in in the desert, and Moses said, "Shall I kill the flocks or the herds for them? Shall I empty the uh, sea of fish for them?" God says, "Don't worry, I'll provide for their lust. I will give them their desire." And He sends the quail. Well, guess what? Quail, as a member of the vulture family, carry cholera as a as a primary disease organism. Isn't that curious? Well, I've and heard so, so many people twist that story around and say, well, if God didn't mean for us to eat meat, why did he send them quail? A bunch of them died. They named the place after lust, and they left. I don't know if the manna still kept coming after that. Numbers 11, Psalm 78. Does anybody read it? That's my question. Does anybody read it? They also ended up getting sick of the quail and didn't want it anymore. Well, the ones that survived, <laughs> there was a bunch of them died. Wow. And they buried them there and named it after lust because they lusted for the meats that they had in the Egyptian slavery. They actually desired to go back to Egypt because we had it better in Egypt, you know, with all our, our food. But yeah, was, the flesh pot was the term that they used to describe the butcher shop. We, you know, we we had our desires at the flesh pots. So, you know, Moses tells God, you know, if you love me, kill me outright and get these people off of my back. God says, oh, don't worry, let's put the burden of the people upon other men. So he calls the 70, and the 70 gather, and then the Lord tells them, Tell the people to prepare themselves for on the morrow they will have. I will give them their lust. I will give them their desire. Wow. He sends the Careful the what you wish. Is- <laughs> well, that's why they all perished, and only a few uh, of faith were left over at the end of the 40 years. 
Yeah. Yeah. They had to weed out the people who were unchangeable. And consider that. Everywhere in the Bible since then where the message, uh, uh, the word generation is used, it's talking about a 40-year generation of wandering in the wilderness. Well, it's the same thing that happened after the ascension of Christ. There was approximately a 40-year period between that time and the destruction of the temple on, <laughs> on August 4th, AD 70. And all of those without faith were weeded out. Oh, this generation will not pass away till all these things come to pass. And he told he told the twelve, unless you pick the slowest twelve people in history, it, it doesn't matter because he said you're not going to finish going through all the towns of Judea before the Son of Man comes. And after that destruction, that temple sacrifices ended because they they went back up and running after he released he ran out the money changers. Right? He messed with their gravy train. That's what got him killed, I think. <laughs> he, he messed up their, their system. And yeah, uh, it looks like... The authority, number one. Yeah. He made them an embarrassment. See, and loosed the animals, his... too. That gets yeah, glossed yeah. over. He kicked the money changers, but he also loosed the animals. He let go of them, the doves and whoever. Actually, he, didn't, he did nothing more than lay the flail on the shoulder of the money changers, that's an indication that you are charged as, uh, you are guilty as charged. If you went to the king or the pharaoh's court, he had the staff, the shepherd's staff in one hand, and the flail in the other. He would take and he would hear your, your, hear your petition or whatever. If he laid his staff upon your shoulder, you were a free man. But if he laid his flail upon your shoulder, you will be taken and executed according to the law. And that's what Christ did. Christ didn't hit anybody or strike anybody. He just simply laid the flail on their shoulder in front of the public, embarrassing and shaming and, and judging them before the people. And that is an, that's a real, how to say, insult to, yeah. you know, to the priests. Well, you guys... Really opened a can of worms on this one. I, it's hard <laughs> not to chime in, but uh, uh, the, the money changers were, uh, you had to pay your temple tax in shekels. Right. And you couldn't use uh, drachmas or whatever other coinage was out there. And so they were, their exchange rate was way off base. And of men's right. souls, like a market. Yeah, system. and so it's uh, an answer to another prophecy that you won't be able to buy or sell or trade because, yeah, you had to uh, you in order to follow the law, you had to pay your temple tax, and so it's often overlooked that that was fulfilled in that as well. Wow. Well, you just taught me yeah. something. I hadn't thought about that. By That's the way, you bought an animal. The animal was taken through the curtain, taken back out through the back door, brought around and resold and resold <laughs> and resold. <laughs> what a flim-flam. Until they got hungry and then they ate it. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Well, we're almost out of time. But, uh, so this definitely needs to be a follow-up interview with Tom on some of this, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's this, this, still so, a lot of questions I still have and want us to ask, and I'm sure the audience got questions. And Yeah, we'll definitely have to plan this out. Well, Tom Rogers, I think you need to hook up with Aaron Rogers, and the two of you could uh, pack a huge punch. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to be careful because think about how many trillions of dollars are at stake with this information. And I think the Catholic Church covered up the uh, the Bishop of Bishops that thought initially Christ was crazy was Christ's brother James, is it? And yes, uh, not Pliny. Who was it? The historian Josephus, when he met a Christian or several Christians, did he not, and it's hard to find, he wrote something like they were trim, fit, clear-minded, and shunned meat. I think, is that the way that goes, Tom? Something to that effect? Go to the, go to the, go to the record. And James' name was actually Jacob Yakov. Oh, Wow. Nice. That's great. Well, even the Romans still refer to him as the Bishop of Bishops, I think, because he was over Jerusalem. Right. And he fl- he flipped. He initially thought his brother was crazy until after he was crucified. Wow. Yeah, we're yeah, going to have to get so- into these topics more, guys, because this, this was a great show. I enjoyed it. I think that's about it. Music's going to come on. Tom, I really appreciate you coming on, taking your time, and Teaching us a Thanks, little bit, Tom. talking Thanks about it. Thanks, Ken, Mike. Mike, thank you both for calling in. Appreciate it. Chance, sorry to pick up earlier. Well, we got to keep our patriots alive. They've got to take care of their own constitution to save the other one. And That's discernment. Right. That's right. Discernment. You got to find that somehow. We can't. Well, we'll pick this up again, guys. It's the last bit yeah. of the show. Everybody have a great weekend. Tune in next week to RBN. Thanks for your support. Please donate and uh, have a great weekend. And as God has struck the hour, day of judgment, God is calling. Underneath the war pigs crawling, begging mercies for the sin. Satan laughing spreads his wings Oh, Lord, yeah. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They 
they can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. <laughs> 